Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled Reasons for Writing from 1 John chapter 1, verse 4. Do you ever wonder why the Bible was written in the first place? Why would God inspire so many different writers in so many different places over so many years to write down what He Himself was authoring? He gave each one of those writers a sense of purpose about the mission to which He was calling them, and sometimes we can see what they hoped would be accomplished. And then, sometimes, the writer just comes right out and tells us. John does that. He gives us reasons for writing. Here's Pastor Tim. Thank you, Kathy. I want to invite you to take your Bible, turn with me tonight to 1 John, the first epistle of John towards the end of your New Testament. It's one of the five books in your Bible that John the Apostle writes for us. And one of the things that I really appreciate about John the Apostle as a writer is that he is not vague about why he writes what he writes. Instead, he is explicit. He is forthcoming with his own reasons. For example... We looked at his gospel this morning. Towards the end of his gospel, as he's getting ready to bring that book to a close, he tells us exactly why he wrote the gospel of John. Listen to what he says. He says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. That's a good reason for writing a book, isn't it? I think that's fantastic as we begin to look at why John does what John does, his reasons for writing. John is also the writer of the book of Revelation. In that first chapter, the Bible says that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, which is how we ought to be. if we expect to hear from God, is to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And as we gather together, we too may hear the voice of God. John hears him, and he says, he hears that familiar voice to him, both of the resurrected and reigning Christ, and Jesus says to him, what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Obedience is a good reason for writing the book. Jesus simply told him to do that. So when we come to his first epistle, he gives us not just one reason, but multiple reasons why he's written this particular letter. And time and again throughout this book, we'll hear him saying something like, these things I have written to you. And it'll be followed up by words like that or for, or which, or because. Each one of those introducing to us what the reason is or the motivation why he would write this particular letter. There are ten times that he does that in this particular book. If we were to take all ten of those and just try to bundle them together and say, what is the one overall reason why he writes this epistle? I would say that it's because as a 
pastor with a pastor's heart, John writes wanting people to walk in fellowship with God. He wants other people to enjoy their relationship with Jesus the same way that he has enjoyed his relationship with Jesus. For example, in this book he says that that God is light. And he tells us that he wants us to walk in light rather than in darkness as we follow the Lord. The Bible says, or John writes and says that God is love. And then he tells us that we are supposed to express love towards one another even as we express our love back to God. That we're to express that in a practical way, in an active way, in an unconditional way that we're to show that kind of love. And then in, the, in, this, uh, in this epistle, John describes God as life. It wants us to walk in that spiritual vitality that begins at the new birth. At the moment that you ask Jesus to come in your heart, that growth process needs to begin and you have a brand new life in front of you. So these are his kinds of ideas about why he would write this book and what it means for us to walk in fellowship with God. And so he does so with a variety of reasons. And I want us to break down each one of those. I'm going to bundle them just a little bit. We'll get there. All right, so here we go. Number one, a reason for John's writing is pleasure. It's pleasure. Now, I don't mean he's writing for fun. He's writing for his own pleasure. He's writing to introduce to you what good, godly pleasure really is. So for this, we begin in the very first chapter, and I want you to go down with me to the fourth, fourth verse, which is the end of his introductory remarks. Look at verse number four. John says, And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. So he's writing for joy. He's writing for pleasure, spiritual, holy pleasure. John has already recorded in his gospel one of Jesus' lessons that he gave to them in John chapter 15. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Later, John will quote Jesus in the high priestly prayer, the Jesus' prayer, the Lord's prayer, if you will. In John chapter 17, where Jesus asked his father a request of him that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This word for fulfilled and word for full that we see there, that Jesus says, I want your joy to be full. In the same way that John writes and says, that your joy may be full. is a word that means full to the top. Full and cannot contain anymore. If you can imagine a cup that is filled all the way to the brim and beginning to spill over. There's not one more drop that you could put into that cup without it spilling over. That's what he's talking about. He wants your joy to be so full that you cannot have even one more drop of pleasure. There's not one more thing that could happen to you that would make your life any better. So John writes and says, for this reason, because I want you to enjoy, I want you to have pleasure in your Christian life, I want your joy to be full. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
And if we're Christ followers, if we're walking in fellowship with him, then we're going to have that joy that is full as well. All right, let's turn over to chapter number 2. In chapter number 2, we find a second reason. In the very first verse of that, of that chapter, he says, My little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin. So the second area or a second reason for John's writing is purity. It's purity. Not only that you would experience pleasure, that you would enjoy your walk with God, but also that you would be pure in your walk with God. So it tells me this. It tells me that when he's talking about pleasure, he's not talking about licentiousness. He's not talking about hedonism. He's not talking about just whatever it is that gratifies your flesh. He's not talking about that kind of pleasure at all, is he? Because the pleasure that you would experience is a pleasure that needs to be holy. A pleasure that needs to be pure. A pleasure that needs to be sinless. He says, these things I write to you that you may not sin. Now, some people have come to this verse and said, well, John's advocating sinless perfection. That when you give your heart to Jesus, then you're not ever going to sin anymore. Is that really what he's saying? I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I like what uh, somebody said about this. He said, Christians are not sinless, but Christians should sin less. You know? That's true. We need to come to that point. In fact, I want you to listen to one of these theologians' uh, description of this part of this verse. He says, the aorist tense, which is one of the tenses that you have uh, in your New Testament that means something that happens, something that is definite, is a point in time when this happens. So he says this, the aorist tense indicates that they must not condone even a single act of sin. John wanted them to realize that sin is so heinous in the sight of God that it may not be indulged in even once. That's purity, isn't it? That's living in practical holiness. And God calls His people to holiness. Now, you may, you may read chapter number 1 and verse number 4 and see that pleasure that He's talking about and say, well, what God really wants from me is happiness. What God really wants from you is holiness. And if you will live a holy life, you're going to live a happy life. If you as a believer choose not to live a, ha a, a, a holy life, not to live a pure life, it leads to misery. It leads to sadness. It leads to grave disappointment until revival in your own heart begins to take place. So John writes to encourage people in that direction. And here's the good news, all right? So you say, well, I've already messed up then, you know? I mean, because if, if he's writing this so that I won't sin or I won't even indulge in it, I, I won't put up with it, well, shoot, I'm, I'm already there. All right, let's finish out the verse. All right, it's not part of his reason, but it sure does help us. He says, and if anyone sins, we might want to trans, uh, translate that word if as when, right? 
when you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What does propitiation mean? It means the satisfactory sacrifice. That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is enough to pay the penalty for your sin and your sins. Let me stop here for just a moment. I I think that this one might help us. Sometimes we get a little turned over, a little uneasy in our own Christian life. And we come to a point to where we say, well, I know that Jesus has forgiven all of my sins in my past. When I asked Jesus to come in my heart, He completely forgave me, and I'm completely holy, completely righteous, and I'm right in His eyes. But then for some reason we think the sins that follow that, that somehow now we are responsible for, that that we have to fix those, that we have to make atonement for those, that, that we have to send Jesus to the cross one more time to die for those sins. And a part of it is the way that our mind works chronologically. It's easy for us to look and say, all of your sins are forgiven and say that that's past, but not be able to think about the things that are in the future. How many of your sins were future in aspect to the timeliness of the cross. I mean, yours. (laughs) All of them, right? We say, some of you are old, but you ain't that old. You know? All of them were. When Jesus died once for all, He died for all of your sins. The things that are in your past, the things that are in your future, they were all future at that point. And he completely eradicated every one of those things. That's a call to live for purity. That's a call to live in holiness. We have an advocate with the Father who has paid the propitiation for our sins. All right, number three. Let's stay in chapter two. We're going to stay in chapter two for quite a while. This time, though, I want you to look down to verse number seven. In verse number seven, you're going to find this same sort of format. It sounds maybe just a little bit different. He says, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So the reason why he's writing is to emphasize this old commandment. What old commandment? Do you you just get to pick one of the ten? No, he's not talking about that, is he? What is this old commandment? Even though John doesn't state it specifically right here in this passage, he does in the next chapter. So maybe just look across the page or turn your page over to chapter 3 for just a minute. And you're going to find what is this old commandment that he's talking about. In chapter number 3, in verse number 11, John writes, For this is the message that you heard when? From the beginning. That we should love one another. A third reason for John writing the way that he does is passion. Is passion. It is passion for God. It is passion that, that shows itself, exhibits itself in passion and love towards one another. That we are to love one another fervently. 
that we're to love somebody even in their very difficult times. Love them when they don't want to be loved. Love them when they don't seem or feel, un, you know, when they feel lovely. When they're doing things that are lovely. If we're going to walk, if we're going to walk in right fellowship with God, if we're going to enjoy the Christian life that God has prescribed for us, it's going to be a pursuit of holiness, and it's always going to express itself in love. Always. Every time. If you are walking in fellowship with God, you are going to display love for Him and love for others. Why? Because by the time you get to chapter number 4, you're going to read this great little verse that just has three words that are so wonderful, and it says, God is love. That's why. If you're going to be like Him, if you're going to mimic Him, then you're not going to find pleasure in indulgence. You're going to find an enjoyable life that is filled with holiness, expressing itself in love for others. All right? Let's keep going. Let's go just to the very next verse, verse number 8. So John used the old commandment to talk about in verse number 7. Now he wants to talk about the new commandment. All right? A new commandment now becomes the reason for his writing. In verse number 8, he says again, A new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Why is he writing? Why is he writing this letter? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. We would say that one of his reasons is penetration. In the, in the same way that, that light penetrates darkness. It always overcomes darkness. It always pierces through the darkness. Always. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading from right there. Pick up with me in verse number 9. Because in these next few verses, John's going to describe how that works. How it is that light penetrates through and how we are to walk in light rather than darkness. Verse number 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see how those two fit together? The old commandment and the new commandment. The love and the light. I can see that I'm walking in light. I can see that I'm walking in right fellowship with God because of the love that I display towards my brethren, towards others. And that becomes John's desire for us. What does he want us to see? He, he wants his people to see. You know, Remember, if we, if we put all of this into one big bundle, he wants to see people that he knows, people that are in his church, people that are there in this church, walking in right fellowship with God, marked by pleasure, marked by purity, Marked by love and marked by people who will pierce the darkness. It's easy. It is easy in this world to allow the culture, the culture to engulf us in its darkness. 
And that's all that it offers. Culture, our society, never offers light. It never points you in the right direction. It always points you towards gratifying your flesh or gratifying some other means that you think will give you pleasure other than God. Always. So he says, walk in the light, and then you'll know it for what it is. All right, let's keep going. I think we're on five. I don't know, I lose count. Number next, here we go. One of the reasons for John's writing is purpose. It's purpose. When we get down to verse number 12, we get there. If uh, John's going to make a little bit of a change, if your translation is like mine, then verses 12, 13, and 14 are probably indented. They look, they look different than the rest of the passage as it's written. It's almost as if he's quoting something or there's some kind of poem or something that he wants to bring to your attention. That's not what it is at all. He's still writing this. But he peels it off as a specific section. He takes a pause in the flow that he has been writing in order to become more directed, more specific, more targeted towards the audience of his readers. He wants each one of them, not just them as a whole, not just for him to be able to talk like I'm talking to you as, as one big group, and say, we need to walk in right fellowship with God, and this is what it looks like. Now John turns his attention to individuals. He turns his attention to specific people, and he says, I want you to walk with purpose. One of the reasons for John's writing is purpose. And he's about to show them their purpose along these sort of age-related titles, if you will. You'll notice as we read through, the, through here that there are three different titles that he uses, and he uses each of them twice. Little children, young men, and fathers. I think that, what, I think that those simply are stages in your spiritual growth. And so he writes, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, what it means to walk in right fellowship with God should look a little bit de different the more mature that you get, right? I, I shouldn't still be walking, I shouldn't still be struggling with the same things that I struggled with when I first was a believer. Instead, there is a change. Join us tomorrow. His Pastor Tim continues his message from 1 John chapter 1, verse 4, entitled, Reasons for Writing. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BrittDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.